everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of College Football Live with Ryan McGee and Harry Lyles Jr. I'm Wendy Nix. The good news, it's Friday and we're going to talk about some actual football as we get ready to turn the page on the calendar to August. But there is some news regarding the potential expansion of the Southeastern Conference. Of course, Texas and Oklahoma likely on their way in. The Board of Regents at both schools voted unanimously to say, yes, okay, we'll join. The schools issued a joint, mistake, joint statement saying they intend to remain in the Big 12 until the current Big 12 media rights deal expires. That's June of 2025. Greg Sankey appeared on SEC Now today to talk about the move. It seems we've had any number of significant conversations in the last 15 or 16 months, and obviously, this goes towards the top of, of that list, and it's a significant moment in many ways. We're dealing with much in college athletics, federal legislative discussion, state legislation, Supreme Court decisions, name, image, and likeness, and it is a transformational time, and it's a rapidly transforming time. So as we look to our future, uh, when the outreach came um, and things have developed rapidly, uh, you saw yesterday with our announcement of a unanimous vote, the, the nod towards our future. And it is a significant day today with this announcement, but also looking forward to 2025 and what's ahead for all of us in the Southeastern Conference. We don't always have 14-0 votes. In fact, we say 8-6 when you leave the room is expected to be 14-0. That's a sign of unity. And so I, I just want to speak directly. Uh, to that unanimous vote, I think, representing the hallmark of the Southeastern Conference, which is the ability to come together. And my appreciation for uh, the discussions with Texas A&M University's Board of Regents, they've led the state of Texas into this league and have just uh, performed magnificently as a university, as, a, as an athletics program, as a member. And my appreciation for Dr. Kathy Banks. And, you know, the lessons learned, uh, these things are always challenging and how we can communicate effectively uh, from this point forward. Uh, with all of the transition happening around our league is certainly on my mind, but I'm, I'm deeply appreciative of the unanimous vote that was present, and that's the spirit of the Southeastern Conference, despite the intense competitive rivalries, and I think bodes well for our future together. If you didn't know better, Ryan, you'd think they were all making s'mores and singing kumbaya around the campfire. <laughs> Listen, it, it, it is what it is behind closed doors, but, you know, the unanimous vote does say something about the public face of this. Do you anticipate that, in fact, there'll be perhaps clearer communication moving forward? Uh, I think there will be. And I'll say this about Greg Sankey. He has always been very upfront about everything. He gives his cell phone number out probably too much. He probably wishes he hadn't given it out so much uh, over the last week in particular. And that's why this caught so many people off guard, whether it's someone that knows him through work or whether it's someone that deals with him through business. But but yes, you, you mentioned the 14 vote. We said this on the show yesterday. This is how the SEC does things. Now, I will also say this, and I tweeted it last night. Last night was probably a great night to own a liquor store in College Station because they're swallowing a lot of pride right now uh, to, uh, to participate in that vote. So it, it, yes, it's 14-0. But, uh, but I think there's still probably a lot emotionally for a lot of people to get around after that vote. Without a doubt, Ryan. And, you know, one of my favorite things about what Sankey said is it was just a really relatable moment, right, where he kind of just decided, hey, I'm going to do the thing that I want to do and ask for forgiveness later. And that's what he's done. And he also really kind of buttered up Texas A&M right there, like, hey, like, we really appreciate, you know, them understanding, even though we kind of did this behind their back. We knew you weren't going to like it. 
but we're all going to be richer for it, and it was going to happen anyway. So I thought that was funny. I thought he played it very well, and eventually, obviously, we're getting this thing done in Texas and Oklahoma. We're going to be in the SEC, and we're going to have just incredible football schedules in that conference for many years to come. Yeah, and the reality is, y'all, that, that listen, you don't have to agree with everything that a CEO, a commissioner does, that the boss does, but if all they keep doing is making you more money and making you the cornerstone of the, the sport and the business within which you're making your living, then you say thank you very much. And that's what's happening with Greg Sankey right now. Yeah, listen, if you're a good steward of with, uh, with what you've been charged, you know, it, it, it's hard to argue. Uh, I will say this here. I'm a big fan of asking forgiveness instead of permission. So looks like that's going to work out here as well. But as you know, there are two sides to every situation. On the other end is the Big 12 and how, and how they feel about this. Here's what Bob Bolsby, the commissioner, had to say today. Today's SEC announcement reaffirms that these plans have been in the works with ongoing discussions between the parties and television partner for some time. We are disappointed these discussions went as far as they did without notice to or inclusion of other Big 12 members, and clearly they felt caught off guard, Harry. Uh, it begs the question, what does the Big 12 look like now? And by that, I mean the 2021 season, because these changes, at least as we know right now, aren't scheduled to take effect for a few more seasons. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's going to take that time, and I think that we're going to see a lot of hard hits on the field. We're going to see a lot of other, you know, comments after games, perhaps even at handshakes at midfield. We're going to get all that kind of stuff like that. How, how often that's going to happen, we don't know. Um, I do think the Big 12 statement is, is kind of funny because I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be at a party that I'm not invited to. Uh, so that, that part was very interesting to me. Yeah, one of our colleagues, I can't remember which one on Twitter, uh, put out there uh, on, on Thursday night. So what would you text to Bob Bolden right now? My answer was you send him some Venmo cash to cover all these horns down penalties that everybody's going to have because that's going to be happening for at least a little while. L listen, it's like the couple, right? You, your friend's in the cul-de-sac and one spouse cut to other caught to other spouse cheating, but they can't afford to move out. And so they're just going to live in the same house for a year while they're sorting out the divorce. And th that's what this is. It's honestly, Wendy, it's like the most Texas thing I could possibly come up with. And it's happening. Yes, they're right there in Texas. It, it, it's exactly right. And, re and remember that. Remember when horns down and that's going to be a penalty was news. Oh, where'd those days go, right? What was that about <laughs> 10 days ago? Uh, that's what we were talking about. Well, listen, uh, they will be. There'll be plenty. Uh, the ramifications of this are far and wide, though, and that is one reason we've talked so much about it. Uh, one of the other interesting scenarios, of course, is how it affects a potential playoff expansion. Here's what uh, the commissioner said at the Pac-12. It's unfortunately likely to delay approval of a CFP expansion plan. I think there's going to be a realignment fallout we have to get through before we understand what format for an extended college football playoff works best for all of college football. And that's interesting to me, Ryan, because, you know, it looked like a foregone conclusion there for a hot minute that we would go to 12 teams. So w what do you think happens? When, when will we revisit the plan for playoff expansion? Oh, I, I think it's still sooner than later. And listen, people a lot more dialed in, Heather Dennich dialed into the playoff situation than I am, have said that, yes, it's going to slow this down a little bit. It's still going to move faster than it was, uh, you know, three months ago. And, and at the end of the day, the motivation for all of this is money in the wallet. 
And at the end of the day, the reason that you expand the CFP, yes, you can say it's parity. Yes, you can say it's inclusion. The reality is it's about making more cash. And so <laughs> it, it, whatever, you're not going to take the longest road to get to that cash. You're going to take the shortest one. And so it might not be as, as short as it was going to be, but it still ain't going to be that long. Yeah, Ryan, I agree with you. At the end of the day, like the NCAA, all these schools, everybody's all about making money. And right now in the short term, I think, yeah, you might have some people that are in that committee who are looking at Greg Sankey a little funny because it's like, hey, you were having those meetings about expanding your conference at the same time we were trying to expand the playoff. Uh, we're going to try to slow this down for you a little bit. But then they're also going to remember, hey, if we do slow this down, that's less money for us, uh, you know, in the short term. So this is ultimately, I think, still going to happen sooner rather than later. But there's definitely going to be some salt there from some of the other people involved in that process. Listen, gentlemen, the bigger the pie, the bigger the slice. And in general, everybody <laughs> likes that. So ultimately, that's, that's what will win out here. And I agree, uh, Ryan, with you that this will, this will still stay on the fast track. Maybe, maybe slow it down a little bit, but not a whole lot. Uh, okay, let's switch gears, shall we? We'll talk about the upcoming season. It's about that time. We'll start looking ahead. Week one right around the corner. We'll have more on that coming up as we get set for the 2021 college football season. Some marquee matchups in week one, and none bigger than Clemson against Georgia. Clemson starts the season looking to make its seventh consecutive trip to the college football playoff. That would extend its own record. We move on to Alabama and Miami. The defending champs, Crimson Tide, will try to become the first team to repeat as champions under the current college football playoff format. And then, not to be outdone, there's also Penn State against Wisconsin. We expect a close game here with our football power index slightly favoring the Badgers, giving them a 54% chance to win. Some other notable games in week one on September 2nd. It's Ohio State on the road against Minnesota on the 4th. It's Oklahoma, soon to be the SEC, going against Tulane and Louisiana visits Texas. And the following day, we have a solid matchup between Notre Dame and Florida State. Of all of these, Harry, and there are plenty to choose from, which of these early matchups catches your eye? I like Louisiana and Texas. Uh, first off, as far as the Raging Cajuns goes, you know, they were really good last year. I don't think they got nearly enough love or at least not as much love as Coastal Carolina did and as well as Cincinnati in terms of one of the best G5 teams that we saw last year. They're returning a lot of talent, and I really want to see, truthfully, what Billy Napier is going to do for an encore. He was one of the just most coveted coaching candidates this offseason. Obviously, he stuck around, and now you get to open up with Texas, and I think as far as they go, Steve Sarkeesian's first game, and I think we all are going to be watching Texas a little bit more closely at the beginning of the season, given all the conversations that we've been having with them going to the SEC. Yeah, and listen, I'm so excited for this Clemson-Georgia game, and, and, and I, for obvious reasons because of the playoff and top five. But listen, we got three children of the I-85 corridor on this show today, and we all grew up kind of with this Georgia-Clemson thing. They just disappeared. And, and so to me, 
that's a game from my childhood that should be played every year. I mean, they are, they are just a couple of miles separated. They're separated by a state line, and so I'm excited about it. But how in the world did I not realize that Penn State was going to Wisconsin in week one? I, I was kind of going through week one stuff today. I'm like, wait, this game's happening at noon, like on the first Saturday of the season? And, and you're talking about the two leading candidates, uh, whether it's the mysteriously accurate FPI or whether it's a bunch of sweaty sports writers you know, voting in a preseason poll, everyone agrees that Wisconsin – more than likely is going to win their division. In Penn State, if someone's going to challenge in Ohio State's division, then it's probably them, and we're going to get that started in week one. And I kind of I, I blame Texas and Oklahoma. I, I didn't even know that game was coming until now. <laughs> Listen, though, I, I, come on. I, I can't even tell you the memories I have of Clemson, Georgia. We had a divided neighborhood, and, like, you literally just had to stop speaking. You know, you just, you just shut it down for a few days in order to keep the peace when, when Clemson and Georgia played. It's hard to believe that rivalry stopped for a brief time. So, obviously, I can't wait for, for that one. Uh, listen, we talked about some of those coaching changes. I think, Harry, you mentioned it, and none bigger, uh, really, than Steve Sarkeesian, who takes over at Texas. And another level of that now, as you mentioned, that they'll join the SEC. Gus Malzahn at UCF, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, and Brett Bielema goes to Illinois. Brian Harson in Auburn. So, uh, really, a, a lot of coaching changes and some, some big names taking over historically very solid programs. Uh, Harry, what coaching debut are you watching most closely? I want to see what Steve Sarkeesian does. Uh, you know, we have joked as a college football internet for many years now about whether or not the University of Texas is indeed back or not. <laughs> and I think that it's interesting to see what he's going to do. I mean, I felt like it kind of felt like he was like a lateral hire uh, compared to Tom Herman. Uh, but I do am very, I'm just very interested to see what he does with that offense, given what we saw out of Alabama the past couple of years, not to mention just that team last year. I mean, if you're a Texas fan, you should be excited about what he's going to bring on the field. I think another part that I'm intrigued by is what kind of coach is he going to be? Is he going to do anything to win like Mac Brown, or is he going to try to please people about things like the eyes of Texas that are not football related? Uh, so I think what he does in his tenure is going to be interesting, especially if he could develop talent, because that's another big issue that they've had in the past handful of years at Texas. How about Gus Malzahn at UCF? And, and he inherits Dylan Gabriel. Uh, he inherits the number two offense in the country. And also, uh, and I'm looking at my official stats and information here, it says that Gus Malzahn on a day-to-day -day level will experience 5,000 less percent stress than he did living on the plains at UCF. He looks like a guy that's just having fun. And, and I think he will have fun, and he's got a quarterback that can play. He's got an offense that's tested. Yes, they don't stop anyone, but, you know, uh, that's something that Gus has dealt with before. So I'm excited. I like Gus personally. And so I'm excited to see him smiling and having fun, and it looks like he is right now. Is that is that a specific is that a scientific number? Would you say yeah. five thousand two hundred percent? Yeah. Stats okay. and information I sent I that to it. me. So as far I, I think the bottom ten stats and information department <laughs> actually sent that to me, but I, but I have it. Okay, close enough. Listen, I believe everything everything you hear is true, so so that makes sense. Uh, listen, let me ask you about an under the radar team. Uh, Ryan, uh, potentially that could make some noise as we move into the 2021 season. Well, uh, Harry mentioned Coastal Carolina uh, just a second ago when he was talking about Louisiana. We had that, that awesome you know, three and four and five way fight uh, who might potentially crash the playoff. Well, listen, they have everyone back down at Coastal. I mean, it's all but two starters and all but one starter on defense with those mullet boys. And, and Grayson McCall is back, a quarterback, as a sophomore to run that uh, pistol RPO spread triple option offense, whatever it is they run down there. And listen, 
more importantly, it's a group of kids now that know how to win. And they know how to win big football games. And you could not have said that a year ago. So they know how to have fun on the till turf. And I think they're going to have some fun this year, too. Ryan, I know you guys see that Georgia State helmet over my right shoulder. I love me yeah. some fun belt. Uh, yeah. So I like that pick. I, I'm going with Iowa State. I don't think that they're necessarily a sleeper would be a surprise, but I do think that people didn't really take them very seriously last year. And I think, you know, given their history, we all kind of understand that. But they've really got some talent on that team. You know, you want to talk about quarterback Brock Purdy, you got Brees Hall. They are really great. Matt Campbell, another, you want to talk about another great young head coaching candidate. He's amazing. I think that the one thing, though, that they're obviously going to run into is a team called Oklahoma and a quarterback named Spencer Rattler. Uh, I think that's probably where the fun is going to stop for them at some point in the Big 12 title game. But they're a fun watch. They play hard. They've got a lot of guys coming back, and I think that they're going to give a lot of teams a lot of trouble. They've got some playmakers. I mean, there, there's, no, there's no question about that. All right, gentlemen, and Harry, I'll direct this to you. I, I hate to be negative, but... Uh, who might fall short? Somebody who we expect to make some noise who may not. I'm going with Notre Dame here, and I don't think it's necessarily going to be a steep fall. I think it's hard to say that, you know, uh, you're going to drop off very much after a college football playoff appearance. Uh, they're losing a lot of guys on offense. Obviously, Ian Book has gone the most winning quarterback in that program's history. Uh, if you're a Notre Dame fan, though, you should be incredibly excited about Marcus Freeman as your new defensive coordinator. He was with Cincinnati last year. They had one of the most stout defenses in the country. I think probably you could only say that Georgia was stacking up with them. But just based on what they're losing, and, you know, I, the only teams that I'm very confident that are kind of stacking talent in a way where it's like, ah, well, you know, they'll be okay next year is probably about Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, and perhaps Georgia. But Notre Dame, they're going to have a little bit of work cut out for them this year. Well, and Harry, how about the Florida Gators? You know, listen, they are super talented. Uh, they got Emory Jones there. I mean, I mean got, Dan, Dan, we talked to Dan Mullen about this at SEC Media Days. Marty Smith and I did. He loves the idea of breaking in quarterbacks. That's what he's done his entire career. But the simple fact of the matter is you can't lose the Kyles. You can't lose both of them and not take some step back offensively. And, oh, by the way, they also top three receivers from that team last year. So I, I think there, and there was some drama you know, involved with that team last year that I, I think they kind of got a pass on because of COVID. And, uh, you know, if Coach says some of the things next year that he said last year, uh, he might have to deal with some locker room stuff, too. So you can't lose the cows and not take a step back. Ryan, this is the most important question. If, if Coastal Carolina kind of, you know, makes some noise and turns some heads, will you grow a mullet? I just, I want to hear it. Right oh, now. yeah. Oh, no, no. And, and uh, listen, all, well, I'll have to, all I have to do is pull out the Travers Rest High School mullet that I wore at Myrtle Beach my senior year of high school anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, Yep. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. Well, listen, I'm from Myrtle Beach, so I know a little bit about the mullet. I, I will be the judge, but it's I want people. you to know he will grow it's a mullet if we. Yeah. <laughs> the people. Okay. I like it. All right. We're just getting started clearly on College Football Live. What a season it's going to be. I think everybody's happy to have football back. And we're also looking ahead. It is not too early. We'll make some early playoff picks. Maybe it's coastal. I don't know. We'll see, see what we think right after this. Well, for the first time tomorrow, all 32 NFL teams will practice at their individual training camp sites, and we'll have coverage from every site. 
9 a.m. to noon Eastern, 4 to 5 on ESPN, 3 to 5 Eastern on ABC. NFL Live back together Saturday. It is also available on the ESPN app. Now, here are the odds to win the national championship according to our friends at Caesars, William Hill. Go figure, Alabama with the top spot at plus 260, followed by Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Georgia rounds out the top five at plus 800. All right, listen, it's Friday. We're going to get crazy here, Harry, make some playoff predictions. Uh, it's easier to do that before we start playing games. We don't have an advantage, so who you got? Well, I'll tell you what is not going to be crazy, and it is my predictions. Uh, I am going with Alabama as the top overall seed in the playoff, and I believe that they are also going to win the national championship again. I think that there are a lot of reasons that you could pick Oklahoma, Ohio State, and, uh, you know, really anybody else necessarily, and that's kind of in our top five or six. But as far as Alabama goes, until somebody shows me otherwise that they just can't reload and do it again, I'm going to go with them again this year, even though I do feel pretty good about what Clemson's got going on and think DJ Uyunglele is going to do, like, I have a, lot, a great year this year. Did you just quote Ric Flair? To be the man, you got to beat the man, and Clemson is the man. All right, so I don't want to be boring. <laughs> so I, 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 got, but I, so I got Alabama. Clemson, Ohio State, and go Cyclones. I mean, throw them in there, right? I mean, listen, I, my heart says Coastal. My heart says Louisiana. One of those, they're still not going to be able to crash the playoff until it expands. Give me someone in a Power 5 conference. I understand that the Big 12 is a Power 5 conference for about 10 more minutes, but let's get Ohio State into the playoff. I tell you what, I, you know what, I tend to agree. I, I do wish somebody would crash the party. I, I think I'm, I, there's so many reasons that'd be fun to watch. Uh, when we see an expanded playoff, of course, that will happen. Until then, anything, uh, you know, we'll see. Listen, guys, it's been a week. The SEC's getting bigger. Everybody's getting richer. This is all good. It's Friday, and we'll be back Monday. College Football Live continues as we move closer to football. <laughs>